Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and in the home of the world champion Houston Astros. I can't get enough saying that. Uh, joining me for a weekly Rockets visit is Rockets expert Frank from HTX Chop Shop. And Frank, I know you watch every second multiple times of the Rockets, but how much Astros do you watch? Oh, man, you have to put me on the spot like that. Go Astros, but I am a <laughs> – I think you know this. I'm a very casual baseball fan. Um, you know, I, I root for the home team, and, I'm, you know, I'm proud that they were able to get that victory. Great thing for the city. We needed it with the news of the mayor um, having the – you know, with the cancer thing and all the stuff that's gone on in the city. I think it was it was a great boost for the city, but I'm a very casual fan. I mean, I watched some of the games. I probably watched, like, four innings in the whole playoffs – I'm the type of guy that I would watch a Rockets late game against some no-name team over a playoff baseball game. So I'm sorry, guys, but I, you know, go Astros, though. That's all right. And, you know, hopefully the Rockets at least are watching some Astros because they're figuring out how to win, <laughs> right, how, how to win. build, how to, you know, build a franchise into something much better. And, Frank, lots going on with the Rockets. We got so much to talk about. One major Rocket player I want to start with who's made a significant jump from last year to this year, um, Alperin Shangun. And I just looked at his per 36 stats. They're eye-popping. I mean, really eye-popping. He's gone from 16.7 to 23.3 points per game, 9.5 rebounds to 13.4 rebounds, a four-point jump, a four-rebound jump. He's dropped nearly a turnover a game, although his assist are down one and a half. So, both of them have gone down a little bit. His field goal percentage, though, I mean, man, it's gone from 47.4 to 57.7, up 10%. His free throw percentage, up 5%. What jumps out with you about Shankun? Honestly, I, I, I haven't really seen much to say that he's better except the free throws. I think the game that he has now is pretty much the same he had last year. He's just more comfortable in it. Um, I would have wished that in the summer instead of playing in FIBA, that he would have actually spent time in the weight room because that would really impact some of the issues he has on defense, like rebounding and things like that. But His rebounding's gone the, up. His rebounding's gone up. Yeah, bro. I mean, I, I think just more being uh, the centerpiece of the of the team now as far as being that center that's going to be the starting center, I think having more opportunities to rebound. Because if you looked at, you know, I, I do these graphs on Twitter and I was looking at his, um, his uh, per 36 and some of his – uh, you know, the rates that he he was rebounding on, on at the same rate as uh, Evan Mobley last year, getting blocks at the same rate of Evan, Evan Mobley, meaning that even though it's not actual, but if you if he theoretically played the same amount of time of a starting center, he would average about 10 rebounds. So this is on pace to what he was doing. Um, the biggest thing for me this year that I've seen is his free throw shooting, which is to me tells me that if we can hold on with him, he's going to develop a three ball, um, a consistent one at some point in his career. A lot of these bigs, like if you go look at uh, Mark Gasol, you know, towards the end of the career, we saw him in Toronto shooting threes like he was somebody that shot threes his whole life. Look at his three-point arc from when he was a rookie till now. I mean, he literally took none for like four years. Like he probably took like his first year, he might have taken two. And then, you know, he had like 20-something percent, 20-something percent. 30-something percent, 30-something percent, and almost to 40% towards the end of his career. So I think Al P is just showing us what he has always showed us. He is a high IQ, high level, highly skilled uh, big man that has floor uh, the floor vision and touch 
to really carry an offense just by his play. And it's surprising that, um, you know, we discussed this in some of our past things about the the Bruno versus him thing. I'm not mad at it, but I was a little surprised that Coach Silas didn't want to kind of dive into the LP thing and see where he could go with it with Jalen and Kevin Porter earlier in the season, which was kind of telling for me about what he thinks about the direction of the offense. But here we are. Um, he is forced to hand and uh, he's likely probably our best player right now. His field goal percentage is up, and I think it's because he's gotten better at finishing around the basket. And I also uh, am looking at his defense and where can he get better defensively. And the big thing for me with Shingun is his pick-and-roll defense. And the pick-and-roll defense is his ability to guard in space. But how much of that do you think, because I think there is a good bit of it that has to do with uh, his help side defense and and guys coming over specifically Jabari. A lot of the time he's the guy that should be uh, dropping over there and helping him on the backside because Shangun just can't get to that. He doesn't have the jumping ability, the athleticism to handle that sort of stuff. How much is you know Jabari, and how much do you just fault Shangun for his both lack of athleticism and maybe just an experience with guarding pick and rolls? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty split. A lot of uh, the times, I would say Shangun is a better pick and roll drop big than Bruno is um, because he actually can change his hips on the drop. And what I mean by that is a lot of times these guards, once they come around the initial screen that their center or whoever is sending a screen for them sets and they're coming with the ball downhill, Shangun's job is to keep that person with the ball handler in front of him and also the screener in front of him. And a lot of times what we're seeing is those screeners are just running to the basket and our players aren't getting back in time to stop the ball handler. So he's caught in no man's land. Usually the weak side help, which you refer to as Jabari, he's supposed to come down and do what is called a tag. And the tag is to stop. Basically the basket is the main, most important thing you want to stop. You would concede a three by helping out Shangun, but it helps not give up a dunk. And a lot of times Jabari or whoever's in that area, they do not get there on time. And a lot of times Jabari looks confused or he just isn't reading it correctly. Um, for Shangun's part of it, now there are centers that are more athletic that are able to kind of keep both. If you've seen Clint Capella does a good job of playing the drop where he can stay front on the on the, on the the ball handler and still have enough foot speed and athleticism to recover and contest on a lob. We saw Shangun try to do it a couple of times. He fouled Mo Bamba, I think, on one of them. Um, so it's a hard thing to do. I think he can get better just by placement, footwork, IQ can put him in better spots, but that's always going to be a limitation. And honestly, the, the defense around him has to be almost like a shell for him, for them to be successful. They can run it. I've seen plays where they run a drop against great guards against John Morant, and it'll be successful one play, but then somebody will blow the assignment. If they're going to be successful with him on the court, especially in closing minutes, every single player on that court has to be on point. Uh, you can't give, you can't miss a read. You can't not hustle around the screen to get back into garden position. If your job is to come stop the the big from rolling, you got to be there. If your job is to stun at the ball, you got to be there. But um, yeah, for our team, it's going to look ugly because we struggle on both ends. But um, I think as time goes on and hopefully Jabari gets better, Tari gets some play. I want to see that Jabari Tari on those wings, that length really helps out with a center like Shangun and you could really kind of help out uh, by putting better players around them that are better defenders. All right, let's get to Jabari because uh, we've talked about him 
a lot already, but just a quick reminder to support the show, subscribe and comment on YouTube. Look for our live Texans postgame shows with my co-host, Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. And Frank, when I look at the Rockets roster, I love what the role players are right now, especially in the front court, which we can get to later, but you can't make a step forward <laughs> as a bad team without your potential star players becoming stars. And maybe we should start thinking about Shangun as a star because he seems to be turning a corner at least a little bit, but the expectations are on Jalen and Jabari, of course. And by the way, those two are dead last on the team and plus minus. Now you can say a lot about plus minus, but you, you don't want those two guys being dead last in that category. And last year, Jalen was dead last and plus minus on the team outside of Daniel Tice, who, you know, was barely here. So Frank, let's start with Jabari, who has been terrible offensively. What's gone wrong with him? Seems like he came into a situation that he is not um, thriving in. And uh, we saw this with Jalen Green. Um, I like to remind people that when Jalen Green came into the NBA, he was literally, quite literally, you talk about play. He had the worst plus minus for like a month and a half in the NBA. And he might have carried that on into the season. I think it was like minus like 300 and something. But um, it, it was he was literally listed statistically as the worst player in the league. And it's a pattern for Rockets, uh, new guys on the team. I don't know if, if you know, obviously they have, you know, part in it. Jabari's not hitting shots. Jalen wasn't hitting shots when he came in. They play bad defense. They look lost. But at some point, you also have to ask, what is the coaching doing for that? Um, it's one thing to um, just say figure it out when you're a guard and you get opportunities to dribble the ball like Jalen did last year. But Jabari's not a guard. Uh, Jabari is a dependent player that's always going to depend on the setup being set up for him by another player. And in our team, we don't have great setup guys. The only person I can think of that would be uh, theoretically good for him is Shane Goon. Um, because Kevin Porter Jr., we we know his struggles, even though he had a, a better game against Orlando. He still had seven turnovers. Um, Jalen Green, he's, he's not the type of guy that's going to be able to see the full court. Um, Knicks is barely an NBA player. So what Jabari's really you know, dealing with right now is that he gets shots and he's pressing on them. He gets shots and they're not in rhythm. They're out of some broken down play and he's used to just a lot of catch and shoots. I think what they can do for him is actually be intentional about make, getting plays for him to be able to get him flowing in the game and not this five out where, hey guys, go out there and just kind of play and see, get the, let the game flow to you. He's a structured guy. He needs to be in a structured setting that can cater to his strengths. And I'm a bit disappointed in the lack of creativity that Steven Silas is, has uh, showed in in uh, trying to get Jabari going as the third pick in this year's draft. Yeah, you talked about uh, maybe running specific type plays for him, uh, number one. But number two, I, I just got to point out that, look, Tari and Jabari, neither guy they're running plays for. But Tari is hitting 40% of his three-point, over 40% of his three-point shots. And Jabari isn't. And you, you, there's a thought that, oh, he's never wide open. Most of these shots are pretty open. You know, that, that's got to change. You know, you can say he, he can't get into a rhythm. I don't know the difference of him, Tim and Tari getting into a rhythm. Tari Tari's, Tari's rhythm is different. Uh, basketball is a rhythm sport. Jalen's rhythm is getting the ball. If you look at from last year, every time Jalen touches the ball a lot, if he's handling the ball, he plays better. Tari's rhythm is no rhythm. He's just, he's just chaos. His rhythm is he's going to go get it. And he's a different type of cat than Jabari is. 
So his rhythm is just playing defense and getting steals. He's a he's a chaos guy. So there's no, it's kind of almost anti-rhythm for Tari. So he's going to do it regardless of structure. You could put Tari on a YMCA team. You could put him on the 96 Bulls. You could put him anywhere and on a basketball court. I saw the same thing in the in the little uh, pro, run, pro runs they had during the summer. He's the same guy. He's going to just be everywhere. For Jabari, that's not who his game. His game is very structured. Um, just he needs to be able to catch, get the ball in certain spots where he can get easy looks and not saying he's not getting open shots, but it's almost like the chicken and the egg. Like if you're getting bad looks and you're pressing, then when the open looks come, you keep pressing. And I think he's just kind of lost right now in his game. The fans, I think, may think, well, he's seven foot. He's got a great wingspan. He's athletic. So he's going to be a good rebounding big. But I watched him in college. It wasn't just because Walker Kessler was there and getting in the way and getting his rebounds. He's not good at that. Whereas Tari has a nose for the basketball. He knows where it's coming off the basket somehow. He, you know, basket magnet, basketball magnet, it seems like. And also, Tari has just been way better. We already talked about Jabari having issues playing uh, off ball defense and, and causing some havoc that way. And Jabari doesn't do that. He's not causing havoc uh, defensively off the basketball. So, I mean, those are just things that <laughs> I don't know how correctable, how much better he can get at that. Hopefully he can. But this is not something that he came in with uh, as a skill. And I don't even know if it's a skill. I don't know. I think some guys are just born with the fact that they know where the ball is going to go and where to be. And it's it just automatic. And some guys are not. Yeah, I think re- uh, that high pointing rebound and being right. That's that's actually it is a skill. Um, it, uh, whether it's innate or, or it's learned, you know, it's debatable. But like you, I believe it's something that you're you have. It's like a receiver that can high point the ball. You can do all the high point drills you want, but Randy Moss was born like that. You know, that's just a skill that some dudes, they they have the hand-eye coordination to be able to do that. Jabari, like, I am disappointed in his rebounding, um, but I, that's a function of his strength uh, for me. He's he's weaker than I thought physically that I thought he would be, given his frame. Um, that's one aspect of his game that's really going to help him out, especially even uh, not only defensively. We see him get punished on on by players that are not as big as him, but on the on offense when he's in the low post i've seen him try to post up smaller guys and he gets pushed around um but i know for a fact just by like we talked about uh before the show started we trust his mentality and the type of character that he has that these things that are deficiencies for him that some things whether it's getting in the weight room getting in the film room and just getting better is something that he's going to do and i think what i like about him is are the intangibles he's an intense guy you know he cares like you said he wants to do everything to help the team win and I think those characteristics are going to translate if you have the requisite talent, which we know he has. It's just a matter of time for him. Uh, but yeah, there are some things that he definitely needs to work on, and he's not a finished product uh, compared to uh, guys that are in his class, like Paulo that we got to see yesterday, um, kind of show his skill set. Paulo is is a, is a great player. You know, he's a generational player. And Jabari is not that type of player. Not saying he isn't great in his own way, but that's not the type of player that we drafted um, the Rockets just have to understand his strengths and try to build, build on that and help him get to where he needs to get. Yeah. A couple of quick things on, you know, him getting drafted by the Rockets. It feels like with Rockets fans, there's this belief that we, we could have picked Paolo. We, we, we couldn't, we picked third and they picked first and that's why they got Paolo and we didn't. And there was a lot of excitement. Of course, we thought we were going to get Paolo. The second thing I hear, uh, which I, I, it's kind of confusing to me is everybody says, 
well, the Rockets should have just traded up to try to get Paolo. Well, you don't know how badly, number one, the Magic wanted him, but also it sounded like they made that decision almost last second. And it's hard to start trade negotiations when you think until just minutes or hours or a day before the draft that <laughs> they're going to draft Jabari and so you're going to get Paolo. So I, 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 I don't know why is, I don't get why people would criticize the Rockets at all for like, oh, you didn't get Paolo. <laughs> what were they supposed to do? Just uh, armchair and quarterback and uh, Monday morning quarterback. Like we had no choice. And if the Rockets just try to drop down and get Ivy or, or Keegan Murray, we would have got destroyed by the national media. So it was, he was the, that was the obvious choice. You don't pass up a guy that was supposed to be number one, right? So that was an easy choice for us. And to me, this is, it's entirely too early. These guys' books are not going to be written for a couple of years. I, I'm very confident in what I think that, uh, what I think Jabari Smith is going to become. So I, I'm not, I'm not too worried. And I still love him as a player and his potential and, you know, big guys. I, I always have to remind people that they always take a long time to develop. Paulo has developed a lot quicker, but he also had an NBA body coming in. And I think that makes it a lot easier for him. And, and his game just is going to look better earlier, just the way he plays. But let's talk about Jalen because overall, the offensive number is pretty similar to last year. Points are up three per game, but you got to take into account, Frank, that he's averaging over three more shots per game per 36 minutes and two key stats. Free throw attempts are up, but only a hair. Assists are down a bit. So we can talk about his shooting getting better, but are the free throws and assists the biggest key to him making that next step and being an elite player? You know, this is a um, interesting topic because it's really hard for me to gauge where he's, obviously we all know he's improved, but there are certain uh, parts of his game that are kind of hard for me to gauge right now because once again, it goes back to the structure and how these guys are being used. I mean, I saw the quote, or the interview, or I don't know where, I don't remember where it was, where Coach Silas was saying Jalen needs to be paired with one of Knicks or Eric Gordon when KPJ isn't on the floor so they could ball handle for him, which to me is like, okay, once again, with the, <laughs> <laughs> with the Jabari thing, like, okay, we're trying to develop a star, a superstar. How, I don't know. This is not 1998. We don't have many just off guards that are just going to stand there and just catch at the elbow and shoot. He needs to have the ball in his hand to reach his full potential for us to see that development, to see how he does over the year. But our coach is saying, no, he doesn't need that. He wants him to just catch and shoot and then isolate once in a blue moon. I can't tell you, Robert. I really, I feel like his passing, he's attempting passes. He had a sweet pass a couple, um, I don't know if it was a couple of weeks ago or, or was that like last week? I forgot what game it was where he just did like a little whip pass to a player that was under the basket that was so beautiful. He's attempting to do pocket passes when he's rolling. He turns them over the ball over a lot when he does them. But I like to see that. And this is the year that he needs to explore that part of his game. For him, the scoring is always going to be there. He scores effortlessly. So I'm going to park that to the side. He needs to be able to be the centerpiece of the offense because I feel like what Kevin Porter is doing, Jalen Green probably, if he gets enough reps by the end of the year, he'd be able to do that at least at baseline, just drive and kick. And with his shooting and his entire game, we need to get him there. So um, the the assists, um, yeah, he's not getting the same opportunities. And he's been uh, to his, you know, for me, I'm disappointed. Sometimes he gets a bit passive. If he doesn't like the look, he'll 
kick it back out to KPJ. KPJ has become a security blanket for him when he doesn't uh, want to go up to, against the challenge that it seems hard for him. So I just feel like they need to let him sink or swim in this, like being that primary initiator or being that offensive engine because that's what he is. Um, but yeah, that that comment of the Air Gordon Knicks thing, it really just, just threw me off because, I mean, once again, like, these guys, they have to be placed in positions to be successful. Not saying he isn't, but the slumps he has, you know, I, I don't think they're just due to just him. Some of some of the stuff has to do with the, the structure of the offense that he's in. There are times where I just feel like he drives to the basket and he can maybe get a shot off and maybe make one of those tough shots. And I just want to see him say, you know what, I could maybe but let me just throw it out to a guy that's open for three because when he drives, there's two or three guys surrounding him and, and he needs to start thinking like, I've got to make my teammates better. That's part of what I'm going to have to be to be a great player. That's just part of the deal. Yeah, that's that's been my my thing for him this year. Like, I'm, I'm, I thought that would be an aspect of his game that he would have, but maybe that's going to be a, a little further down the line. The drive, the rim pressure is there. The shooting off the screens is there. Him and Shangoon. Shangun is like you were talking about high pointing rebounds. Shangun is an expert screener. And when he screens for Jalen, he screens for Jalen. I mean, Jalen is shooting practice shots off of Shangun screens. Um, so having that threat where you have a, a guy that could come off a screen and just get straight to his jumper, get to the rim downhill, when he can open up that that passing, and he doesn't have to be Luca where he's doing behind the back or under the legs, like you said, just kicking it out to where the help is coming from. You know, just knowing where the help is going to be and getting it out, causing a scramble, it opens up everything. It's the same thing Shangun did in the post against the Magic. When you can force a double team or help from the defense and then you pass it out, you've generated a good offensive play because then the passing the ball from side to side, the defense is running, you're going to end up with a great shot at the end of that possession. I need him to learn that, to do that better. Honestly, it would go a long way for the Rockets to add a veteran point guard to the team. To help them learn that, a quote from um, from uh, the Utah Jazz, uh, Colin Sexton. They the reporter asked Colin Sexton, "Hey, your change of pace was really, really good th- this game. As a player that usually plays fast, how do you you know how did you improve in that?" He said that Mike Conley has showed him so much about the game in the short time that, that he's been there that he tells him about that about changing because Colin Sexton is like Jalen Green. He's a downhill. He's fast. We need that. John Wall, while he was here in those couple of months with the, with those guys, you can go read. Even when um, Schroeder came, they were doing different things. The Rockets need to really look at their team as a whole and not just focus on, oh, we're going to tank for Wemby, so let me build a half-heart roster. They need somebody to teach Jalen Green how to make those passes, how to teach Kevin Porter how to do those, because they're just learning from each other. And, you know, it's not, to me, you can accelerate a lot of their development if they can do that. There is a major logjam that's developing in the front court. Like I said earlier, the biggest bright spots this year are the Rockets role players. Eason, Garuba, Kenyon Martin, all playing great. Bruno was the starter to open the season. I mean, <laughs> look at his numbers. Uh, they were really good. I mean, the, the not the, maybe the counting stats that you're looking at, but what Bruno was doing to affecting the Rockets' winning play, I thought. Uh, he only played two games, but you know, still like the spot minutes. And then there's Jay Sean Tate, another guy to factor in who we haven't seen a whole lot. Those are five guys, five, not including your current starters, Shangoon, Jafari, and Gordon in the front court. 
Forget about what Silas is going to do, Frank. Forget about Silas for a second. How do you handle the rotation when everybody is healthy? What do you do? I mean, it depends on what my goals are. Um, right now, what I'm seeing, there's a trio out there of KJ, Tari, and and Garuba that these guys, when they come in, they wreak havoc because it's energy from sideline to sideline with them. Um, I really like that trio. Um, I think that I, personally, I would cut off um, um, some minutes from guys like Knicks, guys like Matthews. That's at least 25, 30 minutes right there that we can just cut out from those guys. They can be as needed if break in case of emergency or bad injury or blowout games. I need to see more Tari Eason on the court because he does so much for the team and multiple, like you said, rebounding. Move Eric Gordon to the backcourt when you get rid right. of the Knicks and Matthews minutes, please. Right. And Eric Gordon, honestly, um, I love his spacing, um, but I, I, I'm intrigued to see either Kajer or Tari in that starting three spot um, out there with the starters because it just fits better and it's just one less ball handler. And now that we're going into the post out for the offense, Eric Gordon just being a spot of shooter. I mean, what on the other side of the court with the, you know, in fast breaks and transition, I'd rather have one of those young guys out there getting those reps because they can do, they're more dynamic on the court. So um, moving Eric Gordon, moving Knicks and Matthews out the rotation. Um, I think Tate um, and depending if it's Tari or KJ starting Tate and whoever the second person is can be a great off the bench combo defensively and I love the minutes that Garuba brings in those kind of 15 to 20 minutes he plays his condition is really bad but the time when he is on the court he is very very effective as a poor man's Shangun um, as a guy that's going to get you know set screens and be able to pass out on the short roll uh, but yeah we have it's a good problem to have um, honestly because I think we're playing too many guys um, like I said Knicks and Matthews they I don't know they don't need to play I would rather Jayshon Tate get some reps at a, as a ball handler or let EG run the second unit as a quote-unquote point guard um, than to see Knicks come out there and just give the ball to the other team when he picks up his dribble because he got to the paint and doesn't know how to finish over an NBA player. So these are some of the things that they could do. I, I don't know what Coach Silas just loves about some of his guys, but um, yeah, I would definitely start with them and try to distribute those minutes, but get Tari more minutes. Yeah, well, Tari should start because we we just talked about it with Jabari. We need somebody in that starting lineup that can just play help defense a little bit better, maybe help out Shane Goon uh, defensively, and also somebody that can go get those rebounds because, you know, Shane Goon, if he's got the ball, he's not going to be able to get the rebound, and Jabari's not getting the rebounds, and the other guys don't necessarily always get the rebounds either. So, you know, that just makes a lot of sense. And talking about Eric Gordon, <laughs> because uh, – I want to talk about that. Believe it or not, I'm having a hard time coming up with the right landing spot for Eric Gordon in a trade, Frank, because of his salary and how many teams are really in the win now mode. You know, not thinking of, I want to win now, but I want to go four or five years out the road. You have to find that perfect combo. And I know everybody is stuck on Phoenix as a destination, especially with the Jay Crowder situation. However, Phoenix might be holding on to their draft picks in case the KD's talks start to heat up again because the KD start talk will start to heat up again for sure. But would you send him? How about this one to the Knicks for Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly. And if you don't do it, would, or if you would do it, I should say, would the Knicks make that deal? Because Rose is expiring 
He's a veteran point guard that Frank likes veteran point guards. I don't know if yes. he's the perfect veteran point guard, but there there are hard to find. It is very hard to find because I have gone through the rosters. It is hard to find that veteran point guard that somebody else is going to help you in dealing with. And and quickly is I don't think he's anything special, but it it, it gets Eric Gordon. I think off your hands and quickly is a young guy. He's a cheap salary. So, you know, I'm just looking at something to match up a little bit. And I don't think quickly is the future over with the Knicks. So I just needed one more guy to make the trade work. But Derek Rose is not somebody that would interest you. I take it. Not ideally. I would, in the, I would love Derek Rose to be on this team. Cause I feel like he could uh, offer guidance and um, just advice and things. So that, that is a guy, but you know, um, he is a upgraded version of what KPJ and Jalen are probably going to be as far as playmaking. He's not an elite playmaker. He was a combo guard that learned to playmake later in his career. So I really want a guy that can teach him the nuances. You know, I wish Rondo was in, uh, in his criminal situation or whatever's going on with him right now. Some archetype of a guard like that. That's a real savant of that position. Now, IQ, Emmanuel, quickly, they like him in New York. The fan, I know the fan base does. It's one of those uh, deals. So I'm not, maybe the Knicks may not be as high on him, but I know the fans, the Knicks fans, they really, really love him. He is like a, the, I'm trying to think of a Houston version of a player that a lot of people in the national media don't really put too much stock in, but they, they like him. He's one of those guys. So I would love, man, I would make that trade in a heartbeat. I just don't think the Knicks would do it because I think IQ is really intriguing as a talent. He he is their a sixth man role that he kind of plays for them. And he does it very well for them. Um, well, they got now they have Jalen Brunson. They love Quentin Grimes. They've got some guys right now. There's a, starting to be a log jam for quickly to to be anything more than a sixth man. And maybe you can convince them to make a trade like that. I, it, Frank, I just find it hard because I'm I'm looking through the teams out there, and it's just really hard to find a match. I mean, I just go through team by team what they've got, what their interests are. It's really really hard. And like I said, Phoenix. Seems like the obvious because of the Jay Crowder situation. Um, and they've got contracts that work. The problem is that KD deal is just sitting out there. And that's that that's going to implode with the Nets potentially in the next couple of months. So they're, they're waiting it out. And what's what's happened is it used to be you could just trade these veterans for first-round picks. But now teams like to hoard the first-round picks in case somebody pops loose and they could, they could grab them all together. And I think the Rockets potentially missed missed their chance to get a first round pick for Eric Gordon in the last couple of years. Yeah. I was going to say they, we missed a couple of chances. Um, Yeah. At this point, you're right. He's probably going to be just a, a, a trade for like another player and not nothing in between as far as, a, as a, as a first round pick. I think if you're going to, if, if Quigley's going to be involved or a young talent like that, we may have to give up a, a, maybe not a first round pick. You'd have to sweeten it for them because regardless of what you think, he is a, a prospect, and you know that has more value than the aging Eric Gordon. Um, for me, I really if they, I don't mind him on a team. Just put him on the bench, but I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, I think they need to move him for his sake. He looks like he's just like, just probably just sick of playing here. Um, I know Eric Gordon. We know what he looks like when he's primed, and he's probably going half speed right now. The worst thing that happened to the Rockets, I think, is this: the Jazz coming out of the gates hard because, you know, Mike Conley is that kind of guy that you would want to bring in as a veteran point guard, and 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 the Jazz do want to sell him. Yeah, <laughs> the price went up on Mike Conley. The price went up on, and once it, you know, the Jazz and people are bashing them for being decent. 
they could still shut everything down and be have a better odds than we do. But they have no interest in Eric Gordon, and you got to match salaries up, and right. Conley's making some money, and then it becomes a three-way trade. But like I said, the longer this Gordon thing t- takes, the longer you're just wasting time to work on Eason's game and K.J. Martin's game and Garuba's all these guys that could be playing instead of Eric Gordon. I think they'll shut him down by the deadline. Um, even though it is going to eat into their playtime early, um, I think that they're going to try to move him this year for sure because the contract forces it. They have to extend him at some point or move him. So it's going to be, you know, either or get get off the pot for them, and they they're going to have to do something. I foresee them shutting him down, and then all these lineups that we'd love to see, I feel like we're going to see them on the second half of the season. Um, but what I'm afraid of right now is, like you said, him eating into the Eason minutes. Um, we overplaying guys like Garrison Matthews and things like that, which Silas's tend to do. Um, and but yeah, I think Eric Gordon. This is probably his last season in Houston, and I feel like it's he needs to get out of here for his own sake because he, like I said, he just looks like he's just out there just playing basketball by himself a lot of times. Go check out Frank's videos over on YouTube. That's HTX Chop Shop. Twitter handle is what again? F Tank Five Eight, F Tank Five Eight. That's uh, apathetic on Twitter. All right, fantastic. We'll talk to you again next week. Love the conversation. There's so much more to talk about with the Rockets, but yep. uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll catch up. We'll catch up in a few days. All right, thanks, bro. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.